cornerstone. The great physician. The almighty. The word. The shepherd. The hope of the world. Alpha and the omega. The provider. The true vine. The Christ. The son of God. Jesus. The truth. The counselor. The Lord. The lamb of God. Jesus. The way. The promise. The door. The apostle. The redeemer. The creator. Jesus. 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 The great I am. Is anybody grateful for Jesus? Come on, give him one last praise right here. Well, I want to say sorry, not sorry. I know we got started a little bit late uh, for this 11 o'clock service, but it was barn, barnyard bananas in the first service. But I believe there's some oil left for you. Hallelujah. Come on, Ed. I'm sorry if you tripped on the way in here, but there was all kinds of stuff that got broken off of people this morning. And you might have had to step over all kinds of stuff, but, but praise God, I hope you leave whatever it is you came with. I hope you leave it here today as well. I'm going to preach to you the final sermon in this series on Jesus. It's titled, Jesus, the Great I Am. Did you know that he is the great I am? It, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 8, and I'm going to read the entire um, 12 verses, and um, everything I was taught in my hermeneutics and homiletics classes and how to teach with the impact people and all of that, they, they told us over and over again that, you know, you shouldn't read out loud more than four verses because most people cannot retain more than four verses, and you should just, you know, for the sake of effectivity, only read about four verses maximum. And, and I, the problem is I'm getting older now. And what I realized was um, um, heaven and earth will pass away. So if I say less and he says more, you got more to go on than, than what I say. And so I'm going to read fast just in case you have an attention issue. But it's amazing to me how we can watch a movie for four hours. But our greatest night's sleep is when we open the Bible. Uh, so if you're dealing with insomnia, just open the Bible and the devil will make you sleep. Hallelujah. I'm going to read John chapter 8, and, and this is probably one of the most controversial passages of Scripture as it relates to the man Jesus in his day. Now, it's easy for us because we have context, we have backstory, and we have forestory, but, but in the day, this was probably one of the most outlandish, outrageous, audacious statements that Jesus made about himself that really put him in a situation. As a matter of fact, there's only three places in the Bible where they wanted to kill Jesus. One was give us Barabbas. We all know that one. The other one was at a place called Mount Precipice where he made statements and then they wanted to throw him off the mountain, but he vanished. And then the other one is the one we're going to read here where he's sitting in the church, he's in the temple, and he's making statements about if you believe in me, you'll never die. It is so controversial in that day about what Jesus is saying about himself that they say he's demonic, that he's full of a demon, that he's got a demon on the inside of him because of what he is about to say. Now, you know you got a problem when you're in church and the religious leaders are telling you Jesus is full of the devil. I want to pick up the text right here in verse 48. And then the Jews answered and said to him, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I don't have a demon, 
but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never die. Then the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham, our father, Abraham is dead. And the prophets, they're dead. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Look at verse 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead? And the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Now let me give you Laurenburg version. You ready? Who do you think you are? Let me give you mama version. Who do you think you are? You, that, that's the head bob. Who do you think? Who do you think you are? I love, I love Jesus. Jesus is just, he is a bad God. And by bad God, I mean good God. And sometimes he's just gangster God. Look at what he does. He answers and says, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he's your God. Watch what he says. Yet you don't know him, but I know him. And if I say I don't know him, I'll be a liar just like you. He said, <laughs> Jesus turns gangster all of a sudden. He goes, let me tell you something. You say you know him, you're a liar. If I say I don't know him, I'm a liar. So I can't say I don't know him like you say you do know him because the one I know is much greater than the one you pretend you act like you know. For me to pretend I don't know him is like me being the liar you are saying you do know him. You, look at what he says. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Another sermon number day. Then the Jews said to him, your bones ain't old enough. You're not even 50. And you sitting here telling us you've seen Abraham? Have you ever been discredited because of how young you were? Have you ever been discredited? Because uh, you, ain't, you ain't lived long enough. You're not even 50. As a matter of fact, you and I both know that he started his ministry at 30. By 33, he'll be hanging on the cross. They're looking at him. See, he's not even been in ministry long enough to make these kind of statements. You've not been alive long enough to say this, and you say you've seen Abraham. Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, look at this. Before Abraham was, I am. Then they took stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Jesus is the great I am. I want you to see this. As, as we finish up this series today, I, I, I think it's only as fitting that we deal with the explosive, controversial name that Jesus identifies himself with. And, and listen, this is a name he gave himself. Ultimately, it, it was so audacious, it was so outrageous that it made the religious leaders of the day become so angry they wanted to literally kill him. Of all the nine names in the Gospel of John that Jesus identifies himself with, this name that he says he is, the I am, is the greatest. I'll prove it to you here in the text in just a moment. He says to them in verse number 58, he says, Before Abraham was, I am. 
There is a crisis of identity that is happening as it relates to Jesus. Watch this. Verse 59 tells us all of this took place in the church. Jesus is not wondering who he is. Jesus knows who he is. The problem is he's having an identity crisis in the church. Because he is one thing, but they're calling him another thing. And I believe many people serve God, it's just not the God who's really in charge. I believe that many of us love Jesus, but it's not the Jesus that, that he knows himself to be. It's Jesus with a little J, not a big J. And, and here he is, he's validating himself, and he's dealing with the controversy and the identity crisis by the fact that they use the name Abraham, their father. Now, y'all know who Abraham is. You know, Father Abraham. You know, he had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Their whole promise, their whole identity, their whole relationship with, with Jehovah God, Yahweh God, it was all centered around this man that had an encounter with God called Abram. And Abraham, and they're looking at him saying, how can you say if, if, if we believe in you that you'll never taste death, but our father Abraham 2,000 years ago died, and the prophets that came before you, Isaiah is gone, and Ezekiel is gone, and all of these men died. How can you say that anyone who believes in you will never die, yet everybody we're counting on believes that we believe in, they're dead. You're not old enough. To sit at this table, Jesus, you hadn't been in ministry long enough to sit at this table, Jesus. And I'm afraid there's a bunch of ministries that Jesus hasn't been in for a very long time. He makes a statement. He says, watch this. You want to talk about Abraham? No problem. Before Abraham was. See, they're talking in context about the death of Abraham. Jesus said, I'm not even going to mess with his death. Let's talk about his birth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. Now, he's not giving them a timeline of his existence. He, because he would have said, before Abraham was, I was. But he didn't say that. He said, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I am before Abraham was, I am when Abraham was, and I am when Abraham wasn't. I am. Why would he say that? Because he immediately jumped to Exodus chapter 3 when Moses was having a burning bush experience encounter with God. See, he didn't want to talk so much about the man that gave right to promise. But he wanted to validate his identity to them by the one he used to deliver them into promise. He jumps right to Moses. And he looks at him and he says, Who, Moses, I want you to go and deliver my people. And Moses looks at the burning bush and he says, but, 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 but I, 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 
I have a speech, 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 speech impediment. I, I, I cannot, cannot, cannot be your vo voice. And God in the bush says, never mind your excuse. Do you want my plan? Now, he had a speech impediment. Uh-oh, you ready? He should have been locked up. Because he killed somebody and then left the scene of the crime. And now God wants to send him back to where everybody knows what he did. Everybody knows who he was. To be the very one that God uses to bring them out into where he wants them to be. Don't tell me God can't use disqualified people. And he says, he says, but, but, but Bush, uh, who, 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 who shall I, who shall I say sent me? And the Bush looks back at Moses and says, you tell them, I am that I am. Hold on a Who shall I say sent me? You just tell them I am that I am sent you. He, he, but who is I am? It's me. I am. I am. Can we go deep for just a minute? The, the word in the Hebrew, the Hebrew letters, it actually translates four consonants. Okay, it's a four-letter word. I am is a four-letter word. Watch this. In the Hebrew, all my Bible scholars, get ready. All in the Hebrew is four letters. All of them are consonants. There is no vowel in the name God gave himself. In the Hebrew, it comes out Y-H-V-H -H in our English language. Watch this. You, you, you can't pronounce it. It comes out. <laughs> Have you ever been so mad and somebody asks you what's wrong and you go, <laughs> I guess I'm the only one. Y'all pray for me now. <laughs> Have you ever been somebody silly because you go, what is going on with you? And you just go, <laughs> Have you been in, where you can't even just get the word out? Like, who do you think you are? When Moses asked Jesus the question, who I am, he wasn't angry. He was thinking about the fact that he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. That he was the door. He was the way. He was the truth. He was the life. That no man could come to the Father saved by him. That he was a friend, the sick, and closer than a brother. That he was the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The one which was and is and is to come. He was thinking about the day spring and the well spring, the lily of the valley, the first of the thousand, the bright and the morning star. He was thinking about all the things that he was. And when he said, who do you say I am? Who sent you? You just tell them, ah. That's how many I am's he is. 
that when you, t- when you try to pigeonhole him to be in one thing, he's so many things that the only thing that can come out is... Ugh. Because for him to be one thing is to say he's not another thing. But he can't say he's one thing and not another thing because he's everything all at the same time. So they, they named him, watch this, even to this day, if you were to go over to Israel and, and at the wall, they would never say in the name Yahweh. They would never pray in this name because they call him the unspeakable God. He's the God that is unspeakable because at the burning bush, when he said, I am, he made a word that was no word because he was so many things. That they said, we would never try to mimic and duplicate the power of that name. So here's what they did. They took the name YV, I mean YHVH, and they put it with the name they did recognize, Adonai. And they took the letters, the vowels of Adonai, which means ruler, which means one who is in charge, which means one that is governing, which means one that is overseeing. Are y'all okay? I know I'm going in deep waters. Are we okay? And, and, and one that is in charge and one that is overseeing and one that is ruling. He says, I'm going to take the vowels of the one that rules and I'm going to put it with the one that is I am. And we're going to create the word Yahweh that we translate in our language Jehovah. He is the one that is. He is the I am that is ruling. I am that is sovereign. I am that is in charge. He is the great I am that is over all things. This is where the word Jehovah Yahweh came from. It started out with, I am. I am. Interesting. This this word I am, this term I am, it actually means two things. Look Look at it. It's so simple, yet so profound. I. In other words, I. This is personal. This is a person-to-person conversation, I, I, but not just I, but I am. In other words, I am a personal person-to-person in the present tense now. I am, right now. It's not I was, it's not I will be, it is I am. Hear me today. He said, I am with Moses. And yet he's saying, I am, in front of the religious leaders standing in the temple. Do you know why? Because at both places, he was still I am. He could have a conversation about Abraham back then because he was I am back then, and he is I am back then, and he's even I am today. Here's why. Because God does not live in the past, the present, or the future. He is eternal. Let me help you here. He's eternal. In other words, he doesn't live in time with us. So when he sees you, when he sees me, he doesn't see the childhood me, the adolescent me, the middle-aged me, and the one-day dead me. He sees all of me at the same time. While I'm looking at me in times... 
He sits outside of time. So when he sees you, when he sees me, he sees all of us. That's why he said, I have declared the end of a thing from the very beginning. Because there is no beginning and there is no ending with God. He's eternal. So when he sees you, he sees the end and the beginning at the same time in your present. Because he's there in eternity looking at all of you eternally. Now, if you understood the power of that statement, you would have shouted in that moment. And here's why. Because everything that God has declared over you that exists in your future, he's not waiting on. He's not waiting on your healing. He's not waiting on your deliverance. He's not waiting on your promotion. He's not waiting on whatever it is that you've been. It may be in your future, but it is in his I am right now. I am. I am. There are, there are nine I am's that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. There are nine. I'm going to give you the other eight. We just talked through one. I won't preach the other ones near as long. And by mean I won't, that means maybe. <laughs> I'm going to run through them, but it may be at a snail pace. Okay? It just depends. We, we about didn't get out of service. The power of these I am's. Jesus makes nine I am statements in the Gospel of John. We just talked through the one I am, period. We find the next one in John chapter 6, verse 35. He looks at the people of God. He looks at the people and he says, I want you to understand something. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Isn't it interesting that we have a thirsty generation coming? Why are you so thirsty? Why are you so? Because they're drinking everything but him. They believe in everything but him. He's making this statement about being the bread of life. Watch this. In context of what he did for Moses and the children of Israel when he brought them out into the wilderness. For six days, he brought down manna from heaven. Now, the word manna is, is a very interesting word because, watch this, it, it was something that was coming out of heaven as provision for them every day, but they didn't know what it was. The name manna, it literally means, what is it? Have you ever had somebody cook you something? And you go, oh my God. It's manna. So when your wife burns it and lays it in front of you, you go, oh, mm, honey, what do you think? Oh, man, this looks like manna to me. Ooh, this is manna that has come down from heaven. What is, now if she's heard this message, don't say manna. That's not going to work out well for you. Baby, this looks like manna. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh manna. What is it? What's, what's this? It, it literally means it was something unrecognizable. In other words, they had no context in any past experience that could explain what they were viewing, what they were smelling, and what they were tasting. 
In other words, God was releasing something from heaven for them every day that they had no previous experience for. He's telling them that I'm about to release something for you every day that you can't look at Abraham and figure out. That you can't look at Moses and figure out. That you can't look at Aaron and figure out. You can't look at, at, at Miriam and figure out. You, you're not going to be able to figure There is something that is coming down from heaven that you have no previous experience. Your five senses are not aware of what is being released from heaven. And it was a prophetic declaration of John chapter 6 verse 35 that Jesus says, I am the thing that is coming down. You can't look at Abraham, you can't look at Isaac, you can't look at Jacob, you can't look at Moses. You have not tasted and seen how good I really am. You can't find me in any other person or any other thing. I'm then the one that has come down to feed you, to provide for you, to fill you, and you never thirst or hunger again. This is why I'm so excited. Next Sunday we start a three-week series on Holy Spirit, made to crave is the title of the series, made to crave. That every one of us have an insatiable desire for something. It was built. Ecclesiastes says that he put eternity into your heart. And the reason he put eternity in your heart is that that's the place that the Holy Spirit can fill. So I'm going to preach to you a three-part series. Indwelling of the Holy Spirit, infilling of the Holy Spirit, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Good. God have mercy. Can't wait. Next Sunday. John chapter 8, he says, watch this, not only am I the bread of life, I'm the bread of heaven, but I am the light of the world. Not only will I feed you, but I will illuminate you if you'll let me. I will light you up. It's going to get lit. While we're trying to get lit, he's the light. And it is amazing to me how dark Christians can live. It's amazing. See, I, I don't get shot when sinners act like sinners. doesn't surprise me. When people who are in darkness... They, they live in darkness, they dwell in darkness, they talk in darkness, they think in darkness. It, 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 I'm not shocked by it. But what blows my mind is that we are children of the light, yet we find more solace in the shadows of our propaganda and opinion and preferences. When you can't tell the difference between a believer on their social media from a non-believer on their social media. He is... The illumination. We, when you live in darkness, you don't know where you're going. The only way to figure it out is turn the light on. Do you know what happens when you try to move about even in the familiarity of your own bedroom in the dark? There is a great trance. You're going to stump something and start tripping. And the reason why believers are tripping during this season is because they're living in the darkness and they won't turn the dag blame light on. I said dag blame. Turn the light on. Let him be the light of the world. Let him be the light of your world. 
And you won't have to trip through the dark times that we may be facing. In other words, I am the place, I am the source of clarity, and I am the source of vision. John chapter 10, look at verse 7. He says, not only that, but I am the door of the sheep. Not only am I the bread that came down from heaven, not only am I am, not only am I am the bread of life and I am the light of the world, but I am the door, watch this, of the sheep. I was, I was riding in my, my truck uh, a couple days ago and I got behind this other truck and there was this big bumper sticker on top of the back of this truck. It says, lion, not sheep. And I don't know how you are, but the longer I live, the more I talk to people, even though they can't hear me. Because I have found that if I don't say it, eventually it's going to come out anyway. So I might as well get it out so it doesn't stay in. Because if I choke it down sooner or later, I'm going to say, Bleh. right? The big old, big old thing says lion, not sheep. And I thought, fool. Because he is the access point for the sheep, not the lion. You better be an apex predator who can do it yourself. You better have enough grind and enough hustle to work it. But if you want access, all you got to do is come to Jesus. You don't have to network. You don't have to go into marketing strategies. You don't have to go to another TED Talk. You don't have to read another. I'm, God, hear me. I believe in studying to show yourself approved. But the next scheme, the next strategy for your level of success is found at the door called Jesus. He will show you how to get in places, and he will show you how to get out of places. It's by getting close to him. I challenge believers to stop trying to make it happen, whatever it is. Just start making him happen. Jesus in my business. Jesus in my relationship. See, that's the problem. We don't want Jesus in our business. Okay, it's quiet now. John 10, verse 11. Not only am I the door of the sheep, but watch this. I'm the good shepherd. I got to be careful here. Because on Bible study on Wednesday nights, we have been in to Psalm 23 for weeks. He's the good shepherd. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. Psalm 23, the power of this chapter that David wrote in Psalm 23 is if you take the first statement that he makes and say it with every other phrase, it will show you the power. A shepherd does three things. It guides, a shepherd guards, and a shepherd governs. Guides, guards, and governs. That's what a shepherd does. The role and responsibility of a shepherd is to guide, to guard, and to govern. And David is saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, he guides, he guards, he governs, I shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he will make me to lie down in green pastures. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he will lead me beside the still waters. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he will lead me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he will lead me in the valley of the shadow of death, and I don't have to fear evil. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he's with me. Because the Lord is my shepherd, his rod, his staff, they comfort me. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Because 
because the Lord is my shepherd, he will anoint my head with oil. Because the Lord is my shepherd, my cup will run over. Because the Lord is my shepherd, goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. And because the Lord is my shepherd, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All because he's my shepherd. John chapter 11. He says, now give you context. He's talking to Mary and Martha who are upset standing at the tomb of Lazarus. And here's Lazarus who's dead in the tomb. And, and according to scripture, he's been there three days and behold, he stinketh. King James, that's the way I learned it. Behold, he stinketh. And they're upset because Lazarus is dead. And this is where, if you know the text at all, you know that Jesus comes in and he weeps. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Second shortest, rejoice evermore, only because it's three syllables versus two. I mean, four syllables versus three. He says, <clears throat> he wept. And then he looks at Mary and Martha and says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live again. I am the resurrection. That's a bad dude. He can walk to a dead situation and go, it ain't what it ain't. I know everybody else is saying it is what it is. But Jesus walks up to the dead situation and goes, it's not what you think it is. <sighs> Can I go deeper just for a minute? I, I love the book, so let me mess with it. Jesus was what was a part of the Old Testament covenant covering called a Nazarite vow. There were four elements of the Nazarite vow. I won't get into all four elements, but one of them is very important as it relates to this. That as a Nazarite, you are not allowed to touch dead bodies. You, you could not be a Nazarite and be true to your Nazarite vow and touch dead bodies. And you'll find all throughout Scripture where he comes to people and before he touches somebody who is perceived to be dead, he goes, they're not dead. They're just asleep. And the, like the girl, he will reach over and grab them. Why? Why can a man who is supposed to never touch a dead body walk over to something that looks dead to us and say, that thing's not dead, it's just dormant? Because, not because of who they are, but because he knows who he is. He can look at a dead situation and say, that's just dormant, it's not dead. So let me come over here and touch it and change it and make it into what it's supposed to be. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, can I go deeper? Not only was he a Nazarite, you ready? But he was also a high priest. And one of the things you have to understand about a high priest is a high priest is not allowed to go into a cemetery. Can you imagine burying your loved one and the preacher has to stay outside of the lines of the cemetery to allow you to let the dead bury the dead because a priest was not allowed to have access into the graveyard into the cemetery stuff the reason why Jesus could not go into the cemetery was because if he had a walk into the place as the resurrection and the life don't you know everybody in that cemetery would have busted up out of the graves I'll go 
so far as to tell you that that's why the man that had the demon possessed of legion on the inside of him, the Bible says he lived among the tombs. When that Galilean leg stepped over that boat and hit the shore of that shore, I want you to know the demon said, we better run to where he is because if he comes into this cemetery, everybody in here is going to end up getting resurrected. Let's run to where he is. Well, pastor, I don't believe that's the case. Then you don't know the scripture because in Matthew chapter 27, we see him hanging on the cross. And when he died, the Bible says in Matthew 27 that the tombs burst open and people that had been dead were found up walking and walking and living and speaking and eating again. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. Hey, hey. The power of this text is verse 26. Jesus says, I know who I am. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe in your dead situation more in the power of my resurrection? See, this is the question you must ask every Mother's Day and every Father's Day. When there is an empty seat at the table of our lives, we have to decide. Listen, it's okay to mourn, but when you know that he is the resurrection and the life, you know that one day the trump of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the air and so shall we forever. So we don't mourn as those who have no hope. Simply because the I am is resurrection and life. John 14. I'm going to go ahead and forewarn you. It got tight in the first service. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man can make it to the Father except through me. Hear me today. I'm the way. If you don't know where to go, go to Jesus. I, I know this is not very deeply revelatory for some of us. But you don't know where to go. You don't know where to turn. Jesus is your turn. Turn. To, he's the way. It's not in your next strategy. It's not in your next Facebook marketplace ad. He's the way. He's the way to a better life. He's the way to a better marriage. He's the way to a better child rearing. He's the, he's the way to whatever, whatever it is where you don't know where to go. He's the place you've got to turn. He's the way. He's not a way. Uh-oh, this wasn't in the first service. And he's not away. He's the way. And I know away in a manger. No, no, no. He's not away in a manger. He's the way that came through the manger. The I am knows where he's going. 
Number two, he's the truth. Well, you ready? Buckle up. I'm going to give you something to talk about at lunch. You ready? He's not a truth. He's the truth. This is not a preference or an opinion. This is not even facts, because sometimes facts are not truth. This is truth. Therefore, be immutable, unchanging, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Watch this. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. But he's truth. In, in other words, you ready? He is the ultimate authority on any subject. Now, I don't know why he's always the last one we ask. But he is the final authority on any subject. You want to know what the truth is about a situation? Consult the truth. Not a truth, not your truth. Consult the truth. And the truth shall set you. What happened in my day, what happened in my day of youth ministry is there's this term that came through the public school system called moral relativism. More relativism. I, I don't want to get into all of it, but the bottom line is your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, and they can be contradictory to each other and they still be true. So I believe the truth is my shoes are bad. And you believe my shoes, my shoes are bougie. And because you, that's your truth and my truth is my truth, then they're both true about the shoes. No, that's not truth. That's an opinion. Are we are you okay? More relativism. So here's the problem with moral relativism. And I had this conversation so many times with leaderships, especially when I was dealing with uh, the youth pastor years. I'd have this conversation all the time. More relativism. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And the truth, we can both live in truth even if they contradict. I said, so what you're saying is that there's no absolute truth. Yes. Yes, Pastor Walters, there is no absolute truth. I have a question. Did you just say there is no absolute truth? Yes, Mr. Walters, we said there is no absolute truth. Excuse me. You just made an absolute statement. Am I the only one? You're sitting here telling me there's no absolute truth by making an absolute statement. So what you just said can't be true either. But this is what they indoctrinated the 20s and the 30-year-olds with. That there's no truth. That, that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And, and we can disagree on our truths and still both be true. Listen, that's not true. And for you to tell me there's no absolute truth, you're making an absolute statement, which means you don't really believe what you're saying. You aren't bought into what you're selling. Okay? Can I go deeper? So now, now what we're getting, 
It, here's the spawn of more relativism. You ready? It's called CRT. It's called critical race theory. I had, I had a teaching professional look at me and tell me, said, Pastor Glenn, if you think what they're teaching right now is bad, you have no idea what's coming next. Okay? Let me give, I'll give you one. You ready? Next year, you ready for this term? You're going to start hearing, instead of Mother's Day, you're going to start hearing birth person day. That's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start calling them birth person's day. Birth person's day. Look it up. Okay? So, you know, because I'm sarcastic by nature. Pray for me. Um, so I'm like, so are you going to celebrate sperm donor day for Father's Day? Let, let me tell you something. Any person that took the time to carry me for nine months and then push me out. Now, I don't know why I did this, but it felt right. Aren't you glad you didn't get the full frontal like this section? I'm calling her mama. And you are not the mama, not the mama, not the mama. I don't need Maury Povich. You understand? Not the mama. That's a TV series for old people. Okay, it's back when you watch TV on Friday nights. Hey, so, so, so here, here, here's where we, here's where we're living. Okay, and I told you, and you just, just, just got to know that the louder they get, the louder I'm going to get. They have a truth. I have the truth. Here, here's the problem with critical race theory. And if you don't know what that is, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to um, influence you. You just need to read. I got four books sitting in my office right now that I am reading continuously to make sure I understand fully what I need to confront. Okay? So I'm, can, I, can I say it the way I want to say it? So this is not the white preacher telling you. Because I'm not just reading white people telling me what to think. This is not just a conservative or a liberal. This is not just a Democrat or a Republican. I am having balanced approach to help me. Holy Spirit, help me see what this is that the enemy's trying to do. Let me tell you what it is. Here's the problem with critical race theory. If you're not in the beloved, it makes sense. But when you surrendered your life to Jesus and you were washed by the blood of Christ... In him, we are neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female, black nor white, rich nor poor, male. You don't hear what I'm saying. We're none of those things. All of those other things are third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth down the line. The main thing that we are is a son and a daughter of the king of every king and lord of every lord. I can't. I can't control what happened 300 years ago. But when I surrendered my life to Christ, this is said, behold, old things pass away and all things are made new. And I don't care if you're red, you're yellow, you're black, you're white, you're polka dotted, or you're candy striped. We are all sons and daughters and he died for us and he washed us all and we are all equal at the cross Hear me today, and if anything else tries to divide us, it's the devil because a house divided cannot stand. That's what this is all about. To keep what God is doing in this room 
as segregated as possible. We okay? Let me try to make you matter. I was on a panel discussion when when um, when when George Floyd and all of that happened. I got call after call after call of we want to hear from you because what you're leading, what God is doing in Judah isn't a white thing, it's not a black thing, it's not an Asian thing, it's not a South American thing, it's a kingdom thing. And I want to hear what it is that God's doing. And I said, well, number one, it is a kingdom thing. But number two, it's a Christian thing. It's just what sons and daughters do. You can't be a bigot and stay in this house very long. Either it gets yielded or you get dismissed. Period. And, and, and oh, all right, I'm going to mess with the white people. You ready? And white people, you'll never understand. We'll never understand. Okay? You'll never understand. Because there are many of our brothers and sisters that have family who will not speak to them. Because they now have a white pastor. Because it is another modern day Uncle Tom situation. Why are you going to submit yourself to another white man? You'll never understand that. Now, if you're not Pentecostal, your family's Catholic and Baptist, you're going to get it a little bit. They're just going to check you for snakes before you come to the Thanksgiving table. Not going to let you pray over the food because you might speak in tongues. Okay? But that pales in comparison to feeling disowned because you moved from a family church to follow the will of the Lord. I'm sitting on this panel. Are we okay? I, I, love, I love Judah so much. Now, I'm going to pay for it with an email or two from people who don't even come anyway. Because the only time I hear from them is, thank you for the sermon that I stole to preach at my church. Now, I'm, I'm getting mad now. i got to shut up. Tell me to shut up. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm on this one particular panel discussion. And, and there, there are three places in this city where I know Jesus meets me. I get up out of my office, and I drive to three places in our city. And I know that every time I go, Jesus is going to meet me there. One of them is right up the road at Wingate. Wingate Park up here. I didn't name it in the first service. I'll tell you where it is. It's right up at Wingate Park. Jesus meets me. It's a plantation. It was an old plantation. There is a disc golf uh, course all throughout there. And if you'll walk the disc, the disc golf, you'll go back into the, the way far back. It takes a little bit of a walk. And you'll find a plantation house, a main house. It's got the bricks for, for the chimneys are still sitting there. And right off about 50, 
70 yards, you'll see what to me looks like a slave home. And it never fails. I always go in between those two homes. And Jesus meets me right there. Just what he does. Sitting on this panel discussion, I can't believe I told you, if I ever see any of you, I will cut you. <laughs> will cut you. Just kidding. No, I'm not. Sort of. And I told him, I was on this panel discussion, and I said, I said, one of the places that I visit that I know Jesus always meets me is at a plantation. I didn't name the name. And I said, today, it was a plantation that was thousands of acres. Thousands of acres. So that means it had hundreds of slaves. Thank God are free today. Grandfathers and great-grandfathers and grandmothers and great-great-great-grandmothers paid a price that no human should ever pay to live free. I was on this panel discussion, and I told him about where Jesus meets me. And I said, what I love about this, and it's only been the past couple years where the Lord just really showed this to me. He said, son, look. Look at what's on this plantation today. On this plantation is a neighborhood. So I get in my car and I ride around and look at the neighborhood. It's not a white neighborhood. It's not a black neighborhood. It's not a Hispanic neighborhood. It's not a Latino neighborhood. It's not an Indian neighborhood. It's not an Asian neighborhood. Every road I turn on has everybody. In a place that was built to keep people oppressed. Whether it was education, ignorance, or just sheer demonic whatever. Today became the foundation for people to live together on. Not only neighborhoods, but there's an elementary school there today. I park at the elementary school to make my way. And the Lord said, look, son, what used to be a place to keep people from each other has now been the catalyst, not only for them to live together, but also to learn together. And then number three, it has a huge sports complex sitting out there on a Saturday and there's kids of all colors and creeds running all over the soccer fields, playing basketball on the open hoops, just every, disc golf for all the geeks, just, you know, <laughs> sorry, I'm no good, so I'm a little bitter. And, and he's like, Son, it's one thing to live together. It's one thing to learn together. But not only are we living and learning together, we're playing together. He said, what started out for evil, look how I turn it for good.
So, because I've come as the way, the truth, but also the life. John 10, 10, the thief come to steal and destroy, but I've come. Hear me today. The I am is here for you not to just get by. Abundant living is not contingent upon a vaccination. Abundant living is not contingent upon whether the gas station has a bag over the handle or not. He's come that we might have life on an abundant level. And we're hoarding as if he's not providing. I watched a woman at a gas station fill up plastic bags. Now, y'all got to pray for me because I carry a gun in my car. I pack more than the praise. I pack a piece too, right? And everything within me, I just wanted to shoot the bags. I just wanted to shoot the bags. I did. Y'all pray for me. Like, I just want to shoot the bags. And then I want to throw a... No, I was kidding. I was kidding. I went to the dark side. Listen, Corona doesn't determine whether you get to live abundantly or not. Gas station interruptions doesn't determine whether you get to live abundantly or not. If you are with the I am and the I am is with you, abundant living is your portion. Okay. Let me run to the end. John 15, 1. He said, I am the vine. I am the vine. Now, back in my youth pastor days, right when we were getting ready to plant this church, we had this thing on social media called the vine. We, we had an entire song and whole little thing that went on called do it for the vine, do it for the vine. I had that sermon lined up. God, I wanted to preach that thing so bad. Do it for the vine, do it for the vine. I'm going to do it for the vine. We're going to do it. I was going to preach this text, do it for the vine. And, and, and I never got to preach it. Because by the time I got to do a new youth service, it was now no longer popular. So they would have been like, oh, corny preacher doing it for the vine. Because it was no longer popular. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me on Friday when I went this. My mind immediately went, do it for the vine. And the Lord's like, you can't, you can't preach that anymore because it's no longer popular. He said, I'm not popular very much around here either. He said, but you got to determine whether it's popular culturally or not. You still got to do it for me. I got to love my wife for the vine. I got to go to my job for the vine. I got to serve my family for the vine. I gotta, if I'm going to succeed, if there's going to be any fruit in my life, I've got to do it for the vine. And then 8.58, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Present tense, personal relationship. And the last one, the last one, and I'm done. This was a powerful moment. Because I almost stayed away from it. But, but Holy Spirit wouldn't let me. We find it in the Garden of Gethsemane, the last I am. He's coming in. He's been praying. He's been admonishing his disciples to tarry with him in prayer for an hour. Sleeping, always sleeping, always falling down on the job. 
all of the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, they're now coming into the Garden of Gethsemane. And they're following this man named Judas Iscariot. Interesting. The name Judas and Judah are the same name. In other words, both mean praise. But there is a praise that betrays the identity of Christ. I wonder how many of us praise, but it is a betrayal of who God really is. Because we praise our circumstances more than we praise the one who can deliver us. He comes in and he kisses. And they look at, that, look at the text. And they look at Jesus and say, Jesus of Nazareth. They did not ask the question. They made the statement. Look at the I am. He says, I am he. In other words, I'm the one you're looking for. You've been looking in all the wrong places and in all the wrong faces, but you finally have had an encounter with the one you've been looking for. They say, Jesus of Nazareth, he says, I am the one you've been looking for. But I want you to see this in verse 6. And when he said, I am he, his I am became so overwhelming that his enemy had to, when he said, I am the one you've been looking for, his enemy went, told me to tell somebody in this room to say that when you really understand the identity of the one you're looking for that adversity that you've been facing that enemy that's been coming against you that thing that's been trying to deceive you that thing that's been trying to destroy that not only is it going to back up but bless the name of the Lord, it will fall. That stronghold, that warfare, that bondage, it will fall at the power of the I am. Somebody get up on your feet and give the I am the praise that he deserves. For the next 60 seconds, I want you to lift your voice and I want you to lift your hands and I want you to lift Jesus over whatever it is you're facing. If you're hungry, he's bread. If it's dark, he's light. Whatever you need him to be, lift the name.
Hey online family, my name is Katie and this is Miles. We are uh, the youth pastors here at Judah. And while we are breaking away from the service, I just wanted to take this opportunity to pray for you. So Lord Jesus, we thank you Lord for this service. We thank you for your word, Father. God, there is nobody like you. Lord, you said I am that I am. And we rest in you today, Lord Jesus, knowing that we are just committing things to you to work in our behalf. And we trust you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Maybe you don't know that great I am. Maybe you never had a personal relationship with your loving Heavenly Father. You can have that today. Maybe you watch every week. Whatever the case is, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. The Bible simply says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that He was raised from the dead for us, then we're saved. So right there, wherever you're at, just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Lord. I believe that you're the Lord of everything. And I believe that you were raised from the dead for me. So I accept that salvation. And I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And if you prayed that prayer, you're in the family. You're now a part of the beloved. And Jesus is Lord of your life. And we're so grateful that you just made that decision today. All you have to do, if you don't mind, just let us know down in the comments or just send us uh, info at judahchurch.org. Shoot us an email. Let us know that you decided to accept Jesus today. We'd love to hear from you. We just want to remind you, if you're part of our regular online family, of the opportunities that you have to give today. We believe that givers are blessed people. We believe that God has called us to give. And so today, we just want to give you that opportunity. If you uh, can go to our website, judahchurch.org, You can go to our app, download it, and go to the giving tab there. Or you can mail it in the old-fashioned way, 12615 Steel Creek Road, Charlotte, North Carolina. Whatever you do, take advantage of the opportunity, and we believe that you will be more blessed because of it. Amen. Hey, Judah. If you've been coming for a while or been watching us online and want to get connected or learn more about our vision, Growth Track is your next step. Our four-week classes, they happen at 9.15 a.m. during our first worship service. For more information, visit our Judah Church app or to sign up as well. We're excited to see you there. on June 15th through the 18th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. To sign up to volunteer or to register a child, make sure to visit us at www.judachurch.org slash VBS 2021 or visit our Judah Church app. It's going to be out of this world. We can't wait to see you. We'll see you then. Over seven years ago, we would have never known what Father's Day meant to us as we never planned on having children. Four years ago, we dedicated Eden, and on June 20th this year, we get to dedicate Aria. 
It is a blessing and a privilege to be able to dedicate your children to the Lord. If you're wanting to do so, visit us at judachurch.org and email us at info at as well. It is a moment that you will never, ever forget. Let us pray Deuteronomy 1 and 11 over you. May the God of your fathers bless you a thousand times more and fulfill every promise that he has for you. See you next week.